There was a lot of PlayStation news this week from GQ having a pretty candid conversation with Jim Ryan, CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. There was also the first true state of play since summer of last year. And then just recently, Sony also revealed their financial earnings for Q3 of fiscal year 2020. And when trying to figure out what best way to organize all of this news, it made sense to consider it in the context of past, present, and future of PlayStation. This week on the Video Games Podcast. Before jumping into the state of play, it's important to look at how Sony and PlayStation as a brand have been operating over the past few months. In early February, Sony released their earnings report for Q3 fiscal year 2020, which was the three months that ended December 31st, 2020. And this means that we will see just how well the PS5 launched despite its very strained supply chain. Overall, sales look great for PlayStation, although not quite on the same level as some other gaming companies that have seen massive surges during 2020. Sales of their gaming and network services division were up versus the same time frame as last year, from 632 billion yen to 883 billion yen. Looking deeper into their gaming and network sales, for the last three quarters of the fiscal year, Sony saw an approximately 40% increase in sales, which they attributed to an increase in sales for in-game content, as well as increase in hardware sales due to the PS5 launch. The PlayStation 4 also still sold over a million units, and the increased margins on that unit also helped their bottom line. However, their operating income wasn't quite on the same level as increase as the sales were due to a few reasons including the increase in selling general and administrative expenses or SGA related to the PlayStation 5 along with losses on the PlayStation 5 resulting from strategic price points for that hardware as they set it lower than the manufacturing cost which means they were selling the PlayStation 5 at a loss. This does explain why Sony was very hesitant in 2020 about revealing the price of the PlayStation 5 as they likely wanted to see what Microsoft was going to do so that they could price their system as high as possible without hopefully incurring losses, which they ended up doing. Unfortunately, Microsoft had a very aggressive approach with both the Xbox Series S, which was priced at a much lower entry, but also a very reasonable price for the Xbox Series X based on the internal components. This is just a theory, but it could also explain why it seemed like there was a lot more optical drive versions of the PlayStation 5 available, because it's unlikely that an optical drive would cost Sony $100 when they are purchasing them in bulk quantities for use across all of their divisions. And this would lead to a smaller loss on the systems with an optical drive, which explains why there were significantly less digital PS5s available during the launch window. And if this was the case, then it was a very smart decision to still produce digital versions but focus on producing more optical drive versions that have smaller loss margins. Focusing on the hardware sales, in Q3, Sony sold 4.5 million PlayStation 5s and surprisingly still sold 1.4 million PlayStation 4s. The PS4 saw a massive decrease compared to 6 million in the same quarter of 2019, but still selling over a million units is quite impressive for a 7-year-old system. And as for the PlayStation 5, it clearly would have been able to sell much more as the demand greatly outpaced the supply by a large margin. And according to Jim Ryan in an interview with GQ, 
PS5 sales were more than we did PlayStation 4s in 2013, and that was a high watermark for the PlayStation generation. Finally, for the rest of fiscal year 2020, Sony is revising their projections for the gaming and network segment upwards, slightly based on higher-than-expected software sales, including add-ons, and higher-than-expected digital sales, peripheral sales, and cost reductions. PlayStation 5 was released in November with a few next-gen titles, but since then, things have been pretty quiet. Not just with Sony, but with the whole gaming industry. And this isn't a bad thing, as gamers have been able to get into their backlog and possibly discover missed gems. It also allows for smaller indie games to get a chance to shine that they likely wouldn't have if they were released during a busier window. Last week, Nintendo did their first Direct after a hiatus of 532 days, and there was a coincidence that Sony had been planning one as well. The last full state of play was back at the beginning of August of 2020, and while not quite 532 days, 7 months is still a long time, especially when you've just released a new console. Even though many people still can't get their hands on a PlayStation 5, there is a sizable audience that is curious about what they're going to be playing in 2021 outside of Returnal and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart as those are the only two big first-party titles with an actual release date. On February 25th, PlayStation did a state of play with a focus on new updates and deep dives for 10 games coming to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, including new game announcements and updates on some third-party and indie titles that you saw in June's PlayStation 5 showcase. On the PlayStation blog, Sid Schumann also mentioned that the show would be around 30 minutes. Taking a quick look back at the June showcase, games that were teased that haven't already been released included Final Fantasy 16, which likely won't be out for some time, Harry Potter, which has already been delayed, Resident Evil 8, Deathloop, Oddworld Soulstorm, Five Nights at Freddy's, Returnal, and God of War Ragnarok. Heading into the state of play, any type of news on any of those games made sense as three of them are due out within the next few months and expectations wouldn't be wrong to see deep dives on Returnal and Deathloop as these are PlayStation exclusives. There was also potential for some news about Horizon Forbidden West as Jim Ryan did mention that it is still on track for 2021 in his GQ article. What ended up coming from the state of play was quite straightforward and uneventful. Two of PlayStation's biggest games that are set to come out in 2021 include Horizon Forbidden West and Ratchet and & Clank Rift Apart, and both of which were absent from the show. However, it is likely that they will both get their own state of play prior to the releases. Personally for me, one of the highlights due to the fact that I grew up with PlayStation and have fond memories of Abe's Odyssey back in 1997 was Oddworld Soulstorm and the series that lost its way over the years, but Soulstorm seems to have captured the essence of the originals and finally getting a release date was nice, the release date being in April was a lot sooner than expected, and the game being one of the PlayStation Plus games for April is fantastic news. Speaking of PlayStation Plus, the presentation ended with a lengthy portion about the next-gen version of Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is due out in June and will be free to the original owners, and there will also be a new episode called Integrate. Now, personally, I felt like this segment went on a little too long, and I also felt like they missed an easy slam dunk by not announcing that the Final Fantasy VII Remake is one of the free PlayStation Plus games for March, which was announced just mere hours after the state of play. The presentation also took a deeper look at Returnal, one of our most anticipated games of 2021, which is due out at the end of April. The visuals look fantastic, the gameplay looks fast and frenetic, and it has the signature housemark look to it. 
Returnal looks to be taking full advantage of many of the features of the PlayStation 5 and the DualSense, but the main concern for most will be if Housemark is able to weave together a strong narrative with this game after being mostly known for almost non-existent storylines from their previous arcade entries. The big question is will the game be able to justify its full price, which is a first for Housemark? Sony played it very safe with this state of play and it was slightly underwhelming as a whole and left out some announcements from GQ that would have made more waves in this state of play. But the big difference between the disappointment here and with something like Nintendo Direct from last week was that we already have some idea of what we can expect to play this year on the PlayStation with games like Ratchet, Returnal, Deathloop and Horizon Forbidden West, all of which are PlayStation exclusives. One of my biggest hopes for PlayStation 5 was that there was going to be a PlayStation VR 2 that would hopefully be able to leave out some of the woes of the original PlayStation VR in the past, mainly the rat's nest of cables and the breakout box that was required to operate it. The resolution wasn't the best available on the market, but it felt similar to having most of the letters of a word where your brain will fill in the gaps. The lower visual fidelity and the cable mess likely enabled Sony to price their VR unit significantly lower than the rest of the competition, which led to a higher adoption rate and likely the reason that we're getting a successor. Sony was clearly pleased with the sales figures of the PSVR as they were constantly giving updates in press releases and earnings reports. Now typically, if something isn't selling well, the company's going to be more vague and word success differently as opposed to concrete sales figures. The last update that we received was at the end of 2019 when Sony announced that as at the end of 2019, PlayStation VR had sold over 5 million units. And even though when compared to the total sales of the PlayStation 5 being around 1 115 million psvr is less than five percent but five million is still a very respectable number especially when you consider the price one aspect of the PlayStation VR that was a monumental success was the amount of games that it sold. In 2017, when the total sales for Project Morpheus were only around a million, the total game sales were over 12 million, which works out to around 12 games per user. And the gold standard for attach rate is the Wii, and that is around 9 games per user, and this is about 30% better. And it's well known that gaming companies make their money on software much greater than hardware, which is why many systems are sold at a loss initially, just like the PS5 that we mentioned earlier. Now, 12 games per user shows just how invested in PlayStation VR every user was, and it makes it much easier for Sony to justify making a successor. On the PlayStation blog, Hideki Nishino, Senior VP of Platform Planning and Management, gave an in-depth breakdown of some things that could be expected for the next generation of PlayStation VR, including some key features. Now, getting it out of the way immediately, PSVR 2 will still have less cables, but is still going to be wired, which initially is somewhat of a letdown. But I think the success of PlayStation VR was due to the fact that it made some concessions that it had to do in order to reach a bigger market. It didn't have fancy hand controllers, instead it used the Move controllers. It had too many wires and its resolution wasn't the best, but some of my best memories of last generation are based around the PlayStation VR. Keep talking and nobody explodes comes to mind. According to the article, the PlayStation VR 2 will have dramatic leaps in performance and interactivity. 
We're taking everything we learned to develop a next-gen VR system that enhances everything from resolution and FOV to tracking and input. It will connect to a PS5 with a single cord. One of the new innovations we're excited about is our new VR controller, which will incorporate some of the key features found in the DualSense. If PlayStation VR 2, which isn't quite called PSVR 2 just yet, doesn't feature a completely wireless setup, then hopefully it will feature some type of improved inside-out tracking and remove the need for a separate camera. Reading between the lines of the statement, it will connect to the PS5 using a single cord, makes it sound like you won't need an additional camera, but that could be reading just too far into the statement. PlayStation VR was released in October of 2016, just short of three full years after the release of the PlayStation 4, which could be an indicator of the potential release date for the PSVR 2. Now, in the article, they did say that it wouldn't release in 2021, which would lead to the obvious assumption that a 2022 release date would be expected, especially since they mentioned the dev kits are already out with developers. But I think the safe thing is to assume that PSVR 2 will be released in 2023, just like how the original launched around three years after the PS4. Developers are just getting the dev kits now and it takes time to build games, especially something that is more than just an experience, which I'm sure is something that Sony wants to get away from. The cost of manufacturing of PSVR 2 will likely come down every month as materials to construct the unit will become more readily available, and it will also give the PS5 user base time to grow. And these are just some of the key factors in why I don't think PSVR 2 should be expected in 2022. Something that I would expect would be for the system to come with a pack-in game to really show off all of the new features of the hardware, similar to how the PlayStation 5 launched with the Astro's Playroom and the PSVR launched with PSVR Worlds. I would expect with the success of Astrobot Rescue Mission and Astro's Playroom on the PlayStation 5, the team Asobi and Sony would launch PSVR 2 with a new Astro title, whether that be packed in like Astro's Playroom on the PlayStation 5 or not. We've already seen how Team Asobi took full advantage of the power of the PlayStation 5, plus all of the features of the DualSense to create a magical, nostalgia-filled experience. That's all for the Video Games Podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did and you aren't subscribed, then please consider doing so as it does help me. And remember to be nice to your fellow gamer, but more importantly, be nice to your fellow human.